Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Take Two. It is October 7th. We are now literally just a month away from the November midterm elections, which is bizarre to even think about. This year has been flying by. I am looking at Mara Carabello in some sassy glasses. Greg Hughes also in some sassy glasses. Thank you. Thanks for noticing. I need glasses because I forgot my new (laughs) password on my computer. And so I didn't print off what we were talking about. So I'm looking at my phone. And in the last year, I've become a person who needs readers. That is what... I have experienced as well. I yes. hate it. Look, and I never I, have them with me when I need them. So mm-hmm. that's a real problem. For our younger listeners, let me just give you the memo now. It is, it, it's unavoidable. As soon as you get close to your 50s, all of our eyes Are you trying to require, say I'm close to my 50s? No, I'm Rude. just telling you. No, I'm not saying that for you. I'm just saying that I was close to 50 when I realized I was holding my iPhone out arm's length to be I able to that. see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was doing it until someone pointed it out. It's turned out... I need glasses. It's just a fact of life. And then, I, then they told me I it's inevitable. That. My dad doesn't use reading glasses. It's like, Thanos. It's like no. Thanos. It's inevitable. It is weird because I've had perfect eyesight. My husband and children don't. And so I'm like always like neener, neener. Oh, I was I the same perfect. way. And I was very sudden, proud of my perfect eyesight. Yeah. I, 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 had, I did the same thing. It's I a real mocked yeah. I said they had inferior uh, genetics. I used to tease my wife Age and children. Age and humility yeah. go together. All right. So here we are with so many important topics to get to. So we are going to move through these topics to give you the ultimate amount of enjoyment and not leave any of the topics off the list. I want to start with marijuana because why not? Uh, I was wearing green yesterday when President Biden made his announcement and I got several texts asking if it was some kind of message. It was not not a subliminal marijuana (laughs) support. It was just a green dress because I was feeling happy and the grass was looking nice. So you should have just said yes so that we all try and figure out what your dress color means about your statement. I know. I did answer back to several of the texts just hi but H-I G-H. So, <laughs> That's good. I know. That's very good. So here we go. Uh, President Biden uh, says he's going to pardon all federal offenses of simple possession of marijuana. The move, a lot of people believe, is a first step towards decriminalization. He encouraged governors to do the same. Uh, before we get to whether or not governors can do this and who can actually do it, Greg, you're first. Uh, is this the right way to go about it? Does Congress need to do this? And an overall umbrella, is it yeah. time to decriminalize? Well, it, it, so many states have uh, either medical cannabis or recreational marijuana in, in absolute violation of federal law. It's a Schedule One narcotic, so it's against the law. They It shouldn't be allowed, but the federal government's never enforced it. DOJ's never enforced it. So you do have to align our the laws of our land with what's actually happening. And, and states have said, look, states' rights. We don't care what the feds say. We're going to do it. And there's not, not, not been any pushback. So at some point, you've got to align it. What I'm surprised at is the announcement yesterday, even the LA Times just says it as so matter of fact, it's the midterms. This was announced to draw more voters uh, to, to Democrats because it's, it's the midterms. They didn't even proffer it like it might be 
because of this. The timing is. It, they just said it as a fact that this is why he's doing it now. It's because it's October and it's time to draw uh, people that uh, would be happy about this announcement. So uh, President the Democrats like, way. you get a car, you get a car, I'm paying off your student yeah, loans. It's, and a, here it's been received in a, a very weed. cynical way, I think, even from those that are happy with the announcement. They've just thought it was a very practical uh, election uh, move. And so, you know. That's that's how it's been received, and I tend to agree that that's so why I'm the timing is So I'm a little surprised that you're proffering that this is a particularly partisan act because there's so many members of law enforcement and so actually many conservatives who think this particularly, not decriminalizing everything, yeah. but decriminalizing simple marijuana is pretty bipartisan. Um, I... I you're, I talking find about the the po you're talking about the policy. I'm talking about the time. I know. I'm, I wasn't yeah. interested Sorry, in that. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt so, you. So, I mean, I, but I think that as a policy move, there are two important components. And one is what you said, which is, hey, listen, we have to align our laws. They just become cumbersome at that mm -hmm. point. And uh, second, for me, would be how particularly with marijuana, this is disproportionately affecting the black and brown community and low socioeconomics. There's such a correlation between who these minor drug offenses. This is not heavy-duty cartel distributors. This is on the street. And aligning that starts to improve our incarceration systems. It starts to improve our equity, and it starts to improve um, these, these charges that are disproportionately compounded on certain segments of our communities. So I think this is an across-the-board great policy. Totally agree with you about the timing. I mean, yeah. that's not, but that's not what's interesting. What's interesting is... It would be more interesting to me if conservatives took over it and said, yeah, let's let's have this moment where it's not a win for Biden. Let's have this moment where it's a policy. I, I can report on this, that this uh, podcast that I host, a uh, guest host, a uh, conservative radio program on occasion. Yes, and when do. this broke yesterday, we took callers. I took callers. And uh, it was not condemned. It was seen as, yeah. as a practical by conservatives seen as be. a practical move. Uh, maybe the first time they'd ever agreed with Biden. However, it was also noted that it, the timing of it is what it is. It's it's the midterms, yeah, and you're doing this. But here, but here's the other thing too. So does Congress need to make this official, or is oh, it fine they, they got to get this out of, uh, out of the Schedule One category just because it doesn't belong there. Uh, let states uh, regulate and create the statutes around um, cannabis and how, whether it's recreational or, or medicinal. I only support it in the medicinal in, in a authentic medicinal uh, delivery. But I will say that uh, I think the pardon, which is a, a mass pardon, but it's about 6,300 people, I think it was reported. It's almost, I mean, not that those 6,300 people aren't important in seeing that, uh, that they're pardoned, but at 300 million people plus in, in the nation, this is really going to rest on states. And right now, law enforcement's saying it's a class B misdemeanor. We'd write a ticket, we'd hand it to them, uh, but the states are going to have to act on this but Greg, that after was the they point make the schedule Biden. one. Biden sort of said he understood there there aren't many simple federal arrests, yeah, right? There, and, yeah, and federal, so that, that's sort so, of an anomaly to sometimes have a simple federal yeah. arrest because these are really, um, they've either plead, pled down, pled out, associated with other charges um, where the feds would be primary to it. Absolutely, the proportion is states, and I think that was the fair call to Republicans and Democrats. It wasn't. Yeah. It was a fair call to states because there's no obstacle for states not also taking a similar point. If of view. he could, he's been on the clock for some time. If he could have just done this like three months ago, we would be really talking more about the policy than the 
timing in the midterms. You choose not to. You don't just, you know, it would be nice to have see Congress do something because when they do something like this, I feel like with the winds of change with each new president, things can come and go. And so sometimes the whole presidential magical wand thing at some point gets exhausting because you know it may it not would have stick. been equally awesome to have congress do something in the middle of the heat of the midterm i would have liked i would have liked president trump to work on this i would have liked president trump to have made the same announcement i think he could have i think he's of the mindset i so. do think the, the policy is important enough that we should resist the urge to throw it out just because it seemed to have political timing. Before we move on, Governor Cox said this is something that he can't just wave his magic wand over. And then the, I think it was the parole board that came out and said that there was you know, a process to making this happen. Is the governor right in this? Is this is not something that he can just do? The governor can take action and make a meaningful difference. It's whether he chooses to. There's not a magic wand. No one is saying that this is just a declaration and you can't declare it with your mind like some former leaders, but it isn't something you can just declare. But absolutely, to say, oh, I don't know, I can't figure it out is unacceptable. I'm not suggesting that's what um, Governor Cox is saying, but of course the legislature and the executive branch in, in Utah could make this happen if they have the desire. So, Greg, is this going to be on the legislative agenda, you believe, come January and February? I I, I think we have a a medical cannabis uh, bill that's on the books and or law that's on the books. And I think the bigger issue, I'm not... But this is an incarceration The simple marijuana uh, charge, I just don't know that there's a lot incarcerated on... I spoke to law enforcement about this to get ready for the show. And even to the point of the federal simple marijuana charge, it's, it, it was unknown to them. Yeah. But I, I've since learned that you can plead down more serious charges to something like that, and that's where it gets into that federal nexus. But for, for law enforcement right now, it's a Class B misdemeanor. It's a ticket they hand. There's not there, – it's I, – I, I don't know that they're, that this is plaguing our, 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 our justice system at the moment. I think what's bigger – and what is going to be a, a, a bigger move is when we see Congress act on the Schedule 1, when but we can get rid of that. Greg, I, I totally this, disagree this part, with you. Even uh, if there's 10 people incarcerated we have, but on we have general expungement charge, uh, efforts that, going on that are good. That we, but why we not expunge. do this one? Why would you shy away from This is a simple. This is well, let's just do this. Let's get, the, let's get the Schedule it's 1 non, off, and then let's just, I think we we're putting the cart before the gum. horse. Ah, just, I think let's get the Schedule 1 done. I want that. Let's just get it. Let's get the law straight and then act accordingly after you get the law straight. Let's easier Problem. Homelessness in yeah, Utah. Oh, that's, that's simple. Yes. something very easy. I know. Before we get to this, there was um, a news conference yesterday that came from the Pioneer Park Coalition. But before we get to that, oddly enough, the last week and I, Mark and I, when we're on set at 10 o'clock, there have been a lot of flashing lights on Main Street. We can't always see what they're doing, but there's fire trucks, um, there's police cars. And oftentimes when they come at night, it's because there's probably a homeless person that's having some kind of issue, a medical issue, or something's happening. And so we don't pay much attention, but it seemed like it's happening on a fairly regular basis. And all of a sudden, last night, I haven't taken a walk for like a week. I've been kind of crazy. So last night I took a walk, and I walked from our station down to City Creek. And I walk that way all the time, and usually you have about six people yell profanities at you. You have to walk over a couple people where you're hoping they're sleeping and not dead. It's bad. You work down there, too. I didn't see one homeless person. Where did they go? I know it's been about a week and a half in there. You've noticed there. the same thing? Right, because we have, we're we're a block away yeah. from uh, your station, and we have a lot of people outside, um, very regular, very routinely. 
and yeah. we haven't seen it. And I don't know where they went. So I have questions about that. So I don't know if this is a, a cleanup for midterm elections, although municipal elections are No, we an also issue don't right see now. any police officers there either. So I'm not sure it was that. I'm not sure what. Yeah, so I don't know what I they will were say one of together. the things, it, it has been very crowded downtown. If you've been downtown, come on down because yeah. it has been very crowded. We've had several um, conventions, but I've just noticed there are lots of people on the street, which I is know. fun. There was an oil convention where it seemed to all of a sudden start happening, and I'm like, are we cleaning up because conventions are coming? So I don't know. I have questions. I need to call up the mayor and also the czar of homelessness here in the state of Utah, but the Pioneer Park Coalition apparently has had enough. They came out, and I wonder, you guys will know better than I, how they fit into this, because they obviously had a huge role in the last time that we were working on uh, solving the problem until everything kind of went kaput. They're back again, um, and they have a whole list of things that they want to take steps immediately. The steps to me, I'm going to read to you, but they sound a lot to me like what I thought we already were doing. So they want to promote the creation of a sanctioned camp and eliminate illegal camping. So that is new to me, where they had like a homeless campground because they just kind of go where they're not kicked out of. Promote a Housing Plus demonstration project that reflects the key elements. Sponsor a research study to identify the flow of clients through the system and provide information about the gaps in service. And encourage facility owners and operators to be accountable to drug use and illegal activity in and adjacent to their facilities. So I'm not sure exactly what is different. Greg, I know you've been knee-deep in this, but you went first last time. So Mara, uh, are these vastly different than what we're doing? Are they new ideas? Will they help? Where are we at? So I'm going to give a complicated answer to a complicated question. I mean, you have to meander a little bit in the solution. But uh, first, I'm going to say that everyone putting in a good effort on this is putting in a good effort. So I I don't mean to indict. You know, sometimes when you're critical, you don't... I don't mean to criticize people in the arena um, and caring. And everyone who is participating cares. So I'm not doubting anybody's um, uh, reasons or, or... you know, I no one. There are no bad actors here. Yeah. Having said that, this continues to point out what I think is the heart of the problem, which is complete lack of coordinated leadership. You have a citizens group, um, whether they're powerful, whether they're well connected, doesn't matter. The fact that a citizen group feels like they need to put together a plan, yeah, it reflects the frustration that I feel. The fact that I feel like Greg and I routinely talk to people and I could not tell you where the point of the spear is for Utah on homelessness. Yep. I couldn't tell you who I would petition if I had a good idea. The other thing I am entirely tired of, again, the actors who have stood up and moved ahead and put their ideas out there, I have no criticism of. But I am so tired of Utah DIYing this. There are homeless experts. We have had them in our state. And when they leave, we're like, hey, Heidi, why don't you and I read some books and decide? I know these people are well-intended, but I think the other thing that I'm new to this position, I didn't feel as strongly, but the biggest courageous act of public policy is to recognize that something didn't go right and change it. And in my mind, the distributed model isn't working. There are lots of reasons. It's not that it was, it's nothing as easy as as wrong and right. But I think, doesn't. that's the tricky part. But because we under-resourced it, I think we have to recognize that we can't just do what we've been doing. If it were me, I would move to a unified campus because the one thing that's still never connecting is... Every single person talking about homelessness says, oh, it's all about the services, all about the services. And then you put out lists like Pioneer Park did, and it's all about the process, all about the process. Nobody's still connecting to the services. I, I think that an underfunded 
distributed model is the worst of all the worlds. So I'm not going to go into their details. Some of them we've seen, some of them we've not. And I'm really tired of our leaders stepping up and saying, it's not my problem, it's somebody else's, or I need help. Fine. Tell me what you're doing, though. Don't don't tell me what other people aren't doing. Tell me what it is you're doing. We have to decide that this is a state issue. We have to decide who's leading it, and we have to have everybody step up. Local jurisdictions are obligated to provide law enforcement. Counties are obligated to provide medical services. Um, Service providers are not even a part of this discussion. So, again, I don't indict anyone who's really – who they all care – they're all smart. They all know that what we're doing. But we are not using specialized talent, and we are continuing to under-resource, and we're continuing to point fingers. So Pioneer Park Coalition, Greg, did they come out of the word work because nothing's being done? Do they feel like they can see things differently because they're business owners and people downtown? Where is this coming from? So they've been, they've been in the mix all along, mm-hmm. and they've been a strong voice. And even when we were working on this, when I was speaker back in 2017, they helped raise private funds for certain things. Like we want, if people wanted to get home, they were, they were here, they had family, they could connect with family, but they just had no way to get home. Uh, we were able to raise funds for uh, transportation mm-hmm. and they, and they did And they did a lot of help. They, they've always been there to, uh, keep it on the front burner and try to, uh, to ra- raise awareness. But there is a vacuum of leadership in this space. And I think that they, because they've not left the space in terms of wanting to see good things happen, uh, they are stepping forward in a much stronger way. The part that I get most excited about in that announcement is their executive director or their interim executive director is a gentleman by the name of Jim Bahunin, who is has retired from the our legislative, I have to look at what it's called now because I've been away for too long, but Legislative Auditor General's Office. He, Jim was part of the legislative audit that we did on the services and the delivery of services. And we had had experiences where the people that were homeless, experiencing homelessness, had, had told us about the crimes that were going on and, the, and some of the horrors that were happening inside of the shelter. And as we tried to understand that better, many times the stories that we heard were, we were told that there were behavioral health issues uh, that were causing those stories to sound so horrific because it just wasn't the case. Our legislative auditors actually confirmed the stories that we we had heard, and uh, my biggest takeaway was that we had I had passed those stories off as not being valid for some time, and and so Jim having audited this and gone in the middle of the night when he's heard these stories are there or go there and then wait for. Uh, law enforcement to show and see who scatters or who moves or hides drugs mm-hmm. or what what happens there to understand that space better. He's in a very strong place uh, to having the different experiences he's had to help, I think, with that lack of leadership and, and looking at real solutions that can that can make this better than it is. So I Jim's addition to Pioneer Park excites me. I'm glad to see someone who's really been who's really watched this audited. It. Our auditors are nonpartisan. They they are not, you know. You don't have a majority auditor and a minority uh, caucus auditor. They're, they work for but everyone. they aren't dairy experts. But, they, but he has seen a lot on the ground. He has. And, I, and to the extent that you have uh, service providers who have boards, I would argue that Jim has seen more than the boards uh, that run the services. And here's the other thing, too. Mara's making a face at you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen that they're great donors. They're not on the ground understanding what's going on, the, ser- no, no, the, the boards. We need experts. But, but, what, but what's happening now, I'm told, is that the service providers are leaving the resource centers uh, because it's it's the, the, the climate and the environment is too negative. So they're leaving and wanting them to come. 
it's not a resource center anymore. Even if it was underfunded, you've gone from underfunded to it's not a re- it's a right. shelter. We got to get the word resource if you're not helping out people, of it. Yeah. If you're not going to have resources at that location, it is a shelter. Call it a shelter, but don't call it a resource center anymore because there are not going to be resources located at that at that address. So that is not an improvement. That's not going in the right direction. So something's got to happen. It's not getting better, and it's not staying static. And I think it's that I, that, worse. that's what I agree with on the Pioneer Park Coalition is that it's not getting better, and I appreciate that they'll stand up. I don't think they're in the position, nor do I, I think that their proposal reflects what needs to happen, but that's in part because we need elected officials to enter yeah, the game, and, and we need those service spe- providers. necessarily need to spearhead it. They're just – they. They want to see it happen. They want to show the w- things that they think Where's are Where's Ben out McAdams? There. Is, does he have a full-time job right now? He did a good job when you were in. We worked uh, together very yeah. closely. Maybe yeah. he can um, get back into the mix. Speaking of Ben McAdams, here's our segue into the next That's issue. Good. Because That's he's helping um, Evan McMullen in his run for state, not state senate, U.S. senator. Uh, this race keeps getting more exciting by the day. <laughs> Last week we were talking about uh, the ad where there was a clip from CNN where they edited a word out that, uh, depending on who you're talking to, really changed yeah. what McMullen was saying or not. Uh, he sued. The question I have first for you is, is he suing because he's hoping to win or is he suing to get in the news cycle? He sued uh, the PAC who was running the ad. He sued KUTV, ABC4, and Fox 13. KSL's not getting sued because they pulled the ad. The ad, if you're watching TV, is still on the air. It just has the additional word that was taken out. Um, If you have been hiding under a rock, (laughs) I'm going to read it for you. Uh, The original ad said, uh, you could hear McMullen saying, the Republican base is racist. And then you would see his face when he said racist. They edited a CNN clip where he says there is an element of the Republican base that is racist. So they took the element out. If you see the ads now, it says element. Uh, Greg, you're first on this. Are they suing because they really want to win this case or they need to be in the news cycle saying this is wrong? I did not say that. You're treating me poorly and I'm not calling you a racist. Yeah, this is it's a it's it's a stu- it's it's a camp. I won't call it a stunt. I'll just say it's a campaign tactic to try and communicate to voters at large that you disagree with what they're seeing in that ad. I think the ad's been effective, and I think that they don't want that ad to be effective. So they need to do something that's that will that'll get them will earn them media attention. And so litigating is something that you've seen. We've seen it before in races where they they sue because they want to send the message that I feel so strongly about my position that I'm ready to litigate. What we said on this show last week was an element of the Republican base uh, is, and it's large enough that he's saying that elected leaders, uh, Republicans, won't stand up to them because they're afraid they won't get reelected. He's talking about a, a large number of people. Are you a racist? I am not, and I'm not. I was on the clock when he said this in 2017 on the CNN panel. I was on the clock as an elected Republican, and I was not afraid of racists or, or to talk or speak out against racism, or I wouldn't get reelected. It's all blather. So my thing was, you know what? Club for Growth, put the put the segment of the Republican base is racist because it would be like saying a segment of the Utah Jazz fan fan base is racist. You'd be talking about a lot of jazz fans and it would be incorrect. So what did they do? When they recut the ad, they put the element back in, uh, which shouldn't have been out in the first place because I think that you take that plus the tweets that the Club for Growth has never shown, which really are probably more inflammatory oh, than wrong. this quote. I checked my mail today, and I yeah. had a mailer from, I don't know if it was from Club for Growth or somebody else, but it had some tweets, and I was like, ooh. No, yeah. there's some very, very inflammatory uh, tweets saying that the Republican Party in large number, not small number, large, large number, uh, 
is racist. And I think that that's an incorrect characterization of people who I wish I would have brought my mail in because I would have read them to you. But I was like, okay, well, I mean, if he didn't exactly say it last time, he's mostly saying it here, which was interesting. Mara, before you go, I'm going to read a few of them. I just uh, searched up on Twitter Todd Weiler because I saw him tweeting some mm-hmm. of them the other night. I don't know if these are the ones on the mailer. But uh, Evan he, Todd Weiler wrote, Evan McMullen should sue this guy. And then there are tweets from Evan McMullen. And McMullen <laughs> says, um, for too long, conservative leaders have been unwilling to confront the bigots and crazies within their base. That has to change. Another tweet from McMullen. This was in June of 20. The GOP is sick. It invited racist parasites into Lincoln's party years ago, and they've sucked the values and patriotism from its body. I haven't been optimistic that it could change, but I hoped and fought anyway. Now I don't see how it ever recovers from Trump's white power. Another one. I was raised by an anti-racist Republicans. He does talk about that. I know there are millions of them still out there, but the party has been overcome by the treacherous cancer of bigotry, and it must be defeated until it repents and reforms or dies once and for all. Those were not the tweets on the mailer. Uh, The ones on the mailer were more succinct. So, Mara, I've taken enough classes to know that there's political free speech, there's First Amendment free speech, and defamation is hard to prove. So I don't think it's a lawsuit that's going anywhere. Uh, Did it win them some points, though, or did it hurt them anyways because then you heard the whole statement and it wasn't any better? Yeah, I mean, the challenge I think they have is... Who are they trying to speak to? Who who were the persuadables in their counter? So I do think it was an action. The um, direct mail piece you're talking about is for, is paid for by the Crypto Freedom Pact. I don't know who that is. Ooh, you're so um, on the ball. I wish I would have they, taken a picture of it. And I, I will, yeah, I'm looking at the, I forgot I had taken a picture. Uh, it, it also quotes a tweet that says the Republican Party has become so darn un-American. I mean, this is the road of a challenger. He's trying to get all these different segments and fundamentally whether you have the characterization or you don't have the characterization, I think you have to ask the question, do Republicans hear this and get turned off yeah. by, you know, I mean, whether whatever they hear and no one else but us is rewatching and paying attention. Um, and I do think the reason the McMullen campaign felt the need to respond so quickly is he does need that audience to be persuaded that he's viable. Do you think it's tracking? Do you think it's having an effect? Well, my thought was if they were going to react that hard, it's because that instead you don't, you hate to perpetuate a news cycle. You hate to bring it back up. Uh, but I, I would argue that for them to repeat what it was, he said that they want litigated. It's, it must be, it must be working. Their, well, their daily tracking must be showing it because why would you bring it up on your own? Here's the challenge I think as well is because Club for Growth repackaged the piece so quickly, you could still see the ad at the same time you're hearing the criticism. It's the second <laughs> ad yeah. and you listen and go, oh, well, I mean, they said this. I mean, I will say in terms of whether you would say that the the right thinks it's working. They clearly don't because the head of the direct mail piece that came out quotes and says, uh, quotes McMullen saying racist on American bigots in quotations. And then the subline they put is that's what Evan McMullen says about you, your neighbors and your family. So they clearly think it's a misjudgment on the McMullen's part um, to make this a longer cycle so i don't know i mean i think he was it's what you do when you're boxed into some statements i think you're absolutely right it's not about the merit necessarily everyone knows this gets uh resolved in months if not years and and it won't be these lawsuits won't go anywhere they're just meant to make these statements very quickly uh to the public if you to the average everyday person just busy in their lives if you heard that the the lawsuit ad versus the corrected ad 
your ear wouldn't pick up the difference, I don't think. You wouldn't know that yeah. you heard two different ads. I'm not excusing it, but it is the toughness of you had a presidential campaign several years ago fighting in an inner party fight where the candidates were standing up to see, see how Republican they can be. You have the same candidate years later trying to go through, a, you know, an independent and un, unaffiliated filter, and he's a little trapped into yeah. what he said before and whatnot. I'm just showing you that the, 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 those last comments you shared were from 2020. Yeah, those yeah. were 2020. Not yeah. in 16. But, right. but I get the point about the 16 candidate and what he's doing yeah. today. Yeah, I know. I think this was trouble for him, though. I don't yeah. think... I, I will say in the past, when they have captured our attention, I think it's been clever. I think this last cycle was not a good cycle for Evan McMullen. Yeah. And, guys, we still have so much more time. We have four whole weeks of cycles and what's That's going right. to happen. Although, I should mention, well, today is the 7th. I think it's only 10 or 11 more days before you'll actually get a ballot in your mailbox yeah. and people will start voting. And so the time is shrinking that candidates have a chance yeah, to change. There's minds. no longer one election day. No. Yes, and it is weeks. time to talk about Senator Mike Lee. He doesn't get off scot-free either. Uh, Senator Mike Lee and Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson co-wrote an op-ed about accepting election results. Who saw this coming? Well, I saw it from uh, Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson coming, maybe not from Senator Lee, but um, the headline of it is, it's our ability to peacefully accept election results that makes America exceptional. As we know, Senator Mike Lee did work with the Trump administration um, after the election, trying to figure out if there was a possible way that they could still win. You can decide in your own minds whether that was right or wrong, um, but he ultimately voted uh, with the electors and um give a stamp of approval to make the election official on January 6th. Mara, you get to go first on this. Uh, was this an important she always message? always goes first. Did she go first last time? Yes. Okay, Greg, no, it's I'm your turn. Kidding. Go ahead. I don't no, know no, go. Yeah. So was it important for the likes of Senator Lee to write an op-ed like this? Does it come off as disingenuous? Tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, it. this is enormously disingenuous on his part, but <laughs> he should give a big old thank you to <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Henderson because he he proffered under her brand. This is what she says all the time. Yeah. She's continued to say it. And the fact, I, I sort of love this political cue. I was shocked that the Lieutenant Governor just rolled this out for him because, to be honest, I think in his heart of hearts, this is what he believes. But this is not the red meat he's been throwing around all the tigers for the last couple of years. So, I mean, it just shows you can say whatever you want. I mean, it's the same issue we just said about Mullen. Apparently, a new day is a new day when it comes to consistency. Um, I, I think this is really inconsistent with what Mike Lee has been proffering for the last 18 months, two years. But, hey, huge get for the Lee campaign that Henderson would agree to take him under her brand. Before we move on to Greg's turn, do you think when you look retrospectively back that, I mean, we've obviously heard um, what he said when he was asking, you know, uh, the Trump administration, what would you like me to say? I would like to think that um, that never happens, but I really think that after elections, probably both sides are doing this when they're trying to, you know, get their foothold in and say, okay, what do I say? We're trying to figure out, did we win? Did we really lose? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'm insane to think that it just happens all the time. But um, what he was doing behind the scenes is that the norm, you think, and it was okay because he still voted uh, 
the way he did on January 6th? Or is there a problem with that kind of conversation behind the scenes? There's a problem. And the one thing I would hope of Mike Lee is that when he gets reelected, he has the confidence to just be himself. Because I think he's a smart man who has laid foils to the intrigue of party politics. And I wish he would just go make his own decisions. I think he has the wherewithal to do it. And I think his in and out of the Ted Cruz style of politics isn't, I, I, I think I would like Senator Lee more if I just saw him following his With own. With Ted Cruz's North, beard. Well, just like his own North Star and did yeah. what he wanted to do. And I don't think he does that. I think he lays prey it. to the moment. All right, your turn, Greg yeah, Hughes. So, um, so I, I, there's a poll, do you, Monmouth? What do you, how do you say it? Monmouth, Monmouth University? University? I don't know if that's considered a... I mean, I don't know what its reputation is by way of... I think they do good polling. Okay, mm-hmm. so they did a national poll on the most critical issues to Americans right now. Mm-hmm. Number one was the inflation. Number two was... And these are like 80-something percent inflation. 77% was crime. Elections was third on that list. And so we have got to a point where if you talk about voter integrity... Uh, there's a term called election deniers, and we've tried to. There is some that there are some that try to demonize even the the discussion of whether elections are valid or or whether we can trust the results, and so that's where you get this word this term election deniers. Both parties uh, there there has not been a time when Trump was elected. There was a lot of discussion about whether that was a legitimate re- election or not, and so what I would like to say is. We see it in the polls. People are concerned whether their vote is going to count or not. We should take that seriously. And when we see a, a, an op-ed with Senator Lee and Deidre, or Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson together talking about this, let's not imagine that, that this means election deniers are wrong and, and all our elections are perfect. Let's, let's really make sure we have chain of custody, that we know that our vote's going to count and not be canceled out because we, ha- we have a very strong system, a transparent one, one with, with a chain of custody. And I don't think... You're crazy if you talk about it. I, I don't think I think we have to talk about it if we want these elections to have participation. Would you and people encourage to believe Mike in Lee to say this more? Because I haven't heard him say this before. Yeah, I, look as long as as long as it's a two way street, as long as we can all say. No, no, I'm just talking about Mike Lee. Like yeah. Mike Lee has not said this before. He's not yeah. sort of defended the system and looked for improvement. He has been sort of shadowy about this. Are you pleased that he sure. seems to be I, 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 It's not inconsistent with me. I, 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 maybe I just don't read. I talk to Mike and I don't read what people say about him enough to, to see a difference, but I don't see a different person in that, in that article. I see the same one, but cause what he said to me, the phrase he said, and he didn't make it up, but he said, it's the first time I had heard it is we want it to be easy to vote, hard to cheat. He has been saying that for, I, I think that I heard that him say that after the 20 election, I heard him say easy to vote, hard to cheat. And that's been who he is. That's how he has looked at this. And, you know, with COVID and the, in the election process changing as quickly as it did, there were irregularities. Now, you know, broadly, did it overturn election? We accept these election results. They are what they are. No one, I'm, I, that's fine. But to say there was no irregularities would be wrong. There were, and you can say just by the timing of having to change it when COVID hit in 2020 in March, of course there's going to be challenges with that. And of course people are going to stare at that and wonder if that went yeah, the right Greg, way. Yeah, but Greg, I'm having a hard time swallowing the old, what are you talking about? This is totally normal. This is what we always do. We don't have We have to be able to question our elections. I'm sorry. We have to be able to question them. No one, have to be. I have never heard anyone disagree with that. That's an uh, no, absurdity. No, Democrats do. Today. Oh, they used okay. to not. Stacey Abrams didn't okay. in Georgia. But she Greg, won that that's election. that's not true and Democrats aren't a monolith. <laughs> so like, we're going to put this aside and fight about this later because okay. you're, you're sort of 
I'm telling you this, this is you're you're fighting tigers on one side and, and not being the same on the other. I mean, I think you're not matching. I want to, well, no, now that I'm you saying, two are I'm all about voices, voter integrity. Yeah. I'm, I'm about all about voter integrity. Everyone is. No, That's just malarkey. When people, people say, when you like, say that, they say, Oh, you're, so you're an election denier. Oh, I'm for a voter integrity. Oh, you're election. You're an election denier. That's it's what you're accused of. If you say it, hang around better people because Heidi and I are trying to bring you up. This is getting very heated. It's not heated at all. We're fine. What I was going to say is that last night, we're totally fine. This is like, this is normalcy here. A very nice debate last night yeah. that was very above the fray. We had um, Glenn Wright. I heard it was a snoozer. It was I didn't a snoozer. listen to it. But sometimes sometimes policy is okay. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's alright to just talk about the policies and not attack people. I thought it was a nice conversation. I did too. But speaking of um, attacking people, uh, you were sitting on the board of the concept where we shouldn't be fighting with each other. That's so right. So tell me where this oh. came from. The Dignity Index Demonstration Project. This is coming right before the election where... Oh my gosh, Greg, Greg is, is making pretending like that to throw up my face. I just, throw, I just I, threw up in my mouth. It's just so gross. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is such Heaven pretend. This is, somebody this is, want to improve. This is so on you. You never get into the pageantry and the of this. This, this is, is so idea. plastic. This I is plastic. This is a good idea. This is, oh. If no, I had the national anthem and uh, audio, I would turn it up right now right. quietly under uh, what you say. Dignity Index is a measure designed <laughs> to score public speech along a scale of dignity to com contempt. Our, this is a, an offshoot. Arthur Brooks isn't associated with this, but this is an offshoot of a notion that says, why don't we start judging what is what? And contempt means, I think I'm above you. Um, I don't hear what you're saying. What's remarkable about this, Greg, is that this is something you pretend to espouse with us. You say all this like, I appreciate that you and I can sit side by side and talk to we each do other. It by and we, do it by, we do it by example. We don't, we don't oh, preach this because beauty's come in the now. eye of the beholder. What one I person think thinks negative sense. is another person dropping truth. You know it as I well as I do. Makes sense. This lecturing, this, this whole is, platitude this is, is not real. You I do it by example. It, you don't, don't do it by these, silver bullet, these nice little colored... Helpful. It's not partisan. <laughs> what they're going to do is after uh, all of the debates and after all of the direct mail, they're going to say, this is example of speech that's contemptuous. These are examples of how people are pitting each other and using stereotypes and using big contextuals to not talk about Will policy. it judge the filters that both Lee and McMullen use on each other? Because no one sends out an ad with the other person looking nice. Their eyes are all like They're all blacked out. They're like, yeah, oh, and oh, it's, oh, this oh, isn't oh, a new oh. phenomenon. This is, this is, I mean, I, but that doesn't make it right. Adultery's been around forever. Greg, are you for it? That's a stupid argument. You're, you're contradicting yourself. You know, as well as I do, it's not going to change. It is not That's, changing. I'm not willing to say that nothing can ever change. I'm not uh, as, as you know. You know who hugs it out. You know what two candidates. You want. You want to know what two candidates hug it out in we election. Saw it, we it's saw the it. one when that's thirty points ahead of the other. That's those are the two candidates that will hug we it out. We saw it last night. You have a you have a one so percent difference. The gubernatorial race. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, I'm yeah. saying you can be magnanimous as the day is long when you've got this thing won ten times over. Yeah, I'll be magnanimous. I'll bring my opponent on the on the air because that's put him a acceptable. point. Put him a one percent a point between each other. Agree this. They're not hugging it out. I'm sorry. Let's talk decline. real. You we and I agree. usually talk real. We this agree. is not Mara Carabello. I know. You're pointing your finger. At me. I know. I, I, I'm not at you. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. Wait. I'm <laughs> ranting. I'm ranting. So I think. I think you're right. I think this isn't a silver bullet that will change the world. But I will stand next to and applaud anyone who does say, "Let's talk. Let's try and measure in a way we can all believe that what's acceptable." 
uh, dialogue. What is good? Because they're not saying don't disagree with each other. They're not saying don't have different points of view. But what makes them the ultimate arbiter of who was nice and who was not? Do they have political science? leanings themselves? I mean, no, I mean, wh- what they're saying is they're going to use a statistical amount. They're going to try and make it um, intelligent, right? Or meaning um, computer-generated intelligence. They're going to try and get a scale. Now, what I like about this, I want you to give room in the space, in the milli-inch that you have. I want, I mean, they're going to test it in Utah. So what I think is oh, interesting great. is this is the Wonderful. pilot project. Needless to say, they might not be calling you. To, yeah, please. To, yeah, you don't think going to be. Uh, Where do I get a do not call uh, designation on that? I don't. I don't believe in any of. That. I think that look, it's a nice concept. It makes everyone feel warm and fuzzy. But you know, everyone's going to go. Fa- go watch a fact check from CNN. Go watch it from someone else, and they're going to give no, you no, completely different worlds, this isn't fact different checking. interpretations. This is what is contempt. Like the name calling is contemptuous. Where you know being detailed. <laughs> About, He's about, playing. She's trying to play patriotic music. I'm, here's the deal. We are I'm not bringing fighting. this up. I, all honestly, the we're time. really not. We're I'm not bringing fighting. this up all the time. We are debating and we are smiling while we do. I'm we're having fun with right you. now. I'm, she is. Well, I'm, she's. I'm see. sad. I'm sad what, for what you. This? this is We Are the World. Yeah. From 1986. Live Aid. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this concert. Yeah, see, I'm for this, Greg. Yeah, so am I. No. This isn't. This isn't a. By the way, this isn't a campaign. Okay, this isn't campaign elections. This is raising funds for AIDS in 1986. I know, but when I heard that you guys fighting, I just want to play. We are the world. Thanks for bringing it up again. We're bringing the fire next week, and we're all going to be nice to each other and continue the conversation. Talk to your friends, Republican, Democrat, or in between. Have a great week. Have a good weekend.